The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. And you're welcome back to The Last Word. It's Ian Guider in for Matt today. Now, would you like to live to 140? And what would the quality of life be like for you at that age? Well, according to researchers from the University of Georgia, they've been looking at the lifespans of people in the UK who've been born as far back as 1880 to work out the potential future lifespan of us all. And it's come up and said that anybody or somebody born in 1940 could possibly live to 141. And for women, it could be 131. So what would life be like? And indeed, would it even be worth it? Joined on the line by Professor Roseanne Kenny, who's a geriatrician at Trinity College Dublin, and our own Ben Finnegan, news anchor at Today FM, is with us here in studio. Professor Kenny, thank you very much for joining us here on The Last Word. We have seen lifespans increase over the course of the last century. We have seen health, health outcomes improve. We should be welcoming this study. Oh, uh, I mean, I think we do. Well I, well, I don't think there's an awful lot that's new with the study. That's the first thing. We've known for some period of time, looking at different ways of measuring this, that average life expectancy is increasing year on year. Um, a baby girl born in Ireland this year will live on average three months longer than her baby sister born last year. So... They're, they're the sort of statistics that we, we know is the case. This this was a study just not, I don't know if the listeners are interested in it, but anyway, it was done by insurance and estate agent um, specialists uh, within the University of Georgia. So it doesn't actually have a health, if you like, or well-being or, any, or anything else twist to it. It's, it's quite literally looking at the demographics and making estimates. And, well, you know, there already someone has lived to 122. So we, we know it's, it's possible for a human to do that. Um, a, a French woman, Jean-Louis Calmont, died at the age of 122 in 1997. She's the longest lived that we're absolutely certain about her uh, date of birth and her death. Health outcomes are improving. We're discovering all types of new treatments. But if you are living to that age, do you have any quality of life? And what can we do now to ensure that if we are living longer, that we're living a full life at those ages? Yeah, they're, they're all good points. First of all, to say that you're quite right, um, quality of life is, inc- is incredibly important. And many people will say that they do not want to live. Uh, to 122 if they don't have a good quality of life and particularly reasonably good state of health. Um, so uh, and technologies are improving, our treatments and interventions are improving, even our detection of uh, early changes which indicate diseases and illnesses and, and the biological process of ageing itself have improved. Uh, our ability, that is, to do all of those things. What hasn't changed hugely, and we really need to focus on, I think, at a national level, at a system level, is much better ways of of regularly applying holistic prevention assessments, or at least making them available for people. And so that if I, at whatever age, say 50, decide, okay, I want a complete um, NCT, and I want it every year so that I will absolutely know if anything is happening to my system and it happens early enough or is detected early enough that I can pick it up. We don't practice medicine uh, to, the, to the extent we should be like that. What should we be doing to prepare for 
living longer and living longer for, I suppose, that we can enjoy ourselves better? I think you'll be a bit surprised by some of my answer, and it's all very firmly grounded in evidence. We know about exercise. Exercise is really important from an early age and consistently, and both resistance and aerobic exercise is important. So that's, that's important to say. And even, even after the age of 50, 60, 70, 80, I would like to recommend that people do a little bit more each year, not less. Even at 70, 80, 90, try and do a little bit more. Walk even one minute longer every month, something like that. So that's that. Exercise. Diet is very important and seems to be the bedrock of most of the research that's emerging now, that healthy diets actually can last can can contribute anything to 15, even 20 years to longevity. Definitely stress is toxic. And I mean stress, not just anxiety, but worry. Worry about financial circumstances particularly. That's, That's very toxic. As is loneliness and social isolation or low mood, depression. All of those things are really bad for inflammatory systems. And it's... Inflammatory systems uh, in, in the body, which actually quicken up or accelerate the aging process biologically. I want to bring in a couple of other uh, contributors here on this. Ben Finnegan, who's a news anchor here at Today FM, and Brianna Parkins is a columnist with the Irish Times. Because if we are all going to be living longer, that have that has consequences for how we live day to day. It has consequences for how we work and how we plan for the future. Ben, somebody who's a bit younger, you're a bit younger than me, when you, when you hear these things and say, look, you know, God, it's great. We could all be living for the best part of the rest of this century. And then you look at the challenges out there that people have right now. You're told today by the Irish Fiscal Advisory Council, mm. well, we're all going to have to pay a lot more into our pensions if we are living longer because we can't afford it or you're going to have to keep working. And also just the cost of living and the stresses of life, climate change, buying a house, the cost of renting, all of these might make you think, is it really worth it? Well, I think a little bit of perspective is needed as well because as uh, Roseanne said you know we've had one person who's lived to, to 122 I don't think this study is suggesting that we're all going to live until 140 or anyone born in the 1950s is going to live to 140 there may be one person who was born in the 1950s who will live to 140 maybe I'd be expected to live to 100 like there's been a lot of people saying, oh, you know, we had a person earlier on a Vox who was saying, oh, let me get to 90 and then euthanasia. Like that's a very depressing way of looking at it. I'd be very much in the camp. But let's see how long we can go here. But, you know, I, I'm turning 30 next year. I already have a dodgy knee. So how's that going to be if I'm still going to be hobbling around the place in 110 years? And then the flip side of it, for millennials, you might be able to afford a home. But you mightn't be able to get a mortgage that's 100 years. Uh, No bank may be able to trust you with that long. Brianna Parkins from the Irish Times. Are you preparing your body now for the enjoyment of your extended retirement? Um, Well, it's interesting. I've just come back from Australia where my parents are living their best uh, early retirement life. It's quite common in Australia for people to retire early in their 60s because we have a very different approach to pensions. So I knew from entering the workforce at 15 that I would not be able to avail of a state pension. It's set up to the point where it's means tested. So, you know, in Ireland, you know, 
most people are entitled to a state pension, regardless of assets and things like that. Well, one, one part of the state pension. In Australia, you basically, the aim is to retire with too much money that you'll never have to avail of the pension. So you're getting retirees retiring with around a million dollars to see them through the last 20 to 30 years of their life, which sounds a lot. When you average that out over time and you have to consider things like nursing home fees, it actually works out to be, you know, just living at a comfortable rate. And we have this really great system called superannuation, which, you know, when I heard about auto-enrolment of the pension um, being brought into Ireland. I heard you know, someone from the government describe it as the best of all the systems in the world. It's not. Um, it requires on low-income earners to give up money that they're already struggling to, to live on rather than put the onus back on the employer. So if I'm working in Australia, um, my employer has to, on top of my salary, put in an extra 10% into my superannuation. I can't touch that until I retire. But this is, this is all going to be a consequence of, as we were saying with this conversation, starting it off with, if yeah. generally we're all going to be living longer, we should be thinking about... We need to about, finance it. That's, that's the thing. We need to finance it, but also need to think of things differently. And perhaps you don't retire at 65, 66, 67, and they're burning the streets of France right now trying to retire at 62. Perhaps we think, well, you know what? I want to work till I'm 80 because I want to be ah, socialising with people. I want to see the people I've been working with and enjoy and get productivity out of my life. Well, it, it's okay for some people. I, I remember having this discussion because I worked in, in before I wasted my life away as a journalist, I actually had a real job working through <laughs> training and looking at um, policy analysis uh, in terms of, you know, all kinds of things. And, and retirement age was one of them. And I remember this bloke turned around to me and someone made that argument of like, hey, what if we want to retire? And of course, there should be no forced retirement age unless you're in certain professions where it becomes dangerous. Um and things like the judiciary, but they have them. But, you know, the option should be there that if you want to work on, you can. And I remember this crane driver who, like, grizzly old crane driver next to me was like, it's all right for you, shiny bums, but out for the rest of us. And I was like, what's a shiny bum? He meant people who work in the office and <laughs> sit on their bottoms all day on a desk chair, which makes sense. If you're doing a job that isn't physically taxing, I mean, I mean, but on the other hand, stress. Stress can kill you just as easily, you know, as, as a physical labor job. But it really depends on the industry you're working in. And if you're working on an industry that is really tough on your body, trying to continue on in your 60s is very, very difficult. I know people, and Ben, you were joking there. You, you were, that, that, that sound you made there is almost, oh my God, I can't wait to get out of employment. <laughs> but Ben, I know people who were forced to retire from jobs, particularly in the medical field, in different other walks of life, who were told on the way out the door at 65, that's it, off you go, and really wanted to contribute for many more years to come and weren't because they were told, well, you're no use to us anymore. Now here's an opportunity, thanks to science, thanks to the way we're all living a little bit better, a little bit healthier, you can still contribute perhaps not to employment, but to other things out there. There's, there's a happy medium to it. Like there isn't like, you know, the, the forcing people to work to like mid 70s or even 80 would be um, quite ludicrous, I think, at this stage, because it it's not a categoric fact that we're all going to live to 140 no, or 120. No, but the general thing is that health is improving across the board. Well, we like, have seen as, lifespans increase. Uh, yeah, three months per year, as Roseanne said earlier on. So I don't think that's a need, uh, like we should be having a knee-jerk reaction today about pension reform. We know the pension system needs reform in Ireland. It's been 
the can has been well and truly kicked down the road now for a number of decades and probably continue to be kicked down the road for a number of decades. I don't think uh, one study suggesting that one person may live to 140 is going to change any Irish government's mentality on pension reform because next year there's the local elections and European elections. We have a, a general election 2024-2025 and the cycle restarts again. It's just the outlook of a millennial, a Gen Z, that, you know, the, the world is a bit dark right now. We shouldn't be celebrating these, these breakthroughs and signs. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe not. But, you know, there is a lot of problems here. And, like, if, if humans are to live to 140, and if the average age of my generation would be, let's say, 95 to 100, that is actually a legitimate problem um, that we're going to have to, as Brianna outlined here, we're going to have to finance these things. There is also something that hasn't been mentioned, the climate issue. Like, and as well, another big thing, and I hate to be so morbid about it, housing. One of the uh, ways that we're going to regenerate housing is by people moving into nursing homes or moving on to the next life. Brianna, you coming from sunny Australia, you must surely think, God, this is, this is actually great for us all, that we can enjoy travel further into our life. We can go all around the world and we can experience after many, many years of hard work, we can all have a little bit better retirement. So long as we finance it a bit better, that government's plan. And as Ben says, we get the housing situation sorted. I mean, it's, it's like, I hate to say it, but my grandparents are Irish. And they, they're still terribly homesick. After 50 years, they still call Ireland home. But I am so glad that they are retiring and getting older into their 80s and 90s in Australia because they have access to amazing healthcare that's free. They have their retirement pension pots and they're going to they're doing really well. And I don't know if they'd have the same access to that healthcare in, in Ireland as well. So it's, it's housing, it's healthcare, it's a lot of things. We're, we have an aging population and that is going to put a strain on a lot of things unless the government kind of figures out a way around that and, and has to do that pretty soon. I mean, but on the travel point, you get to an age where you actually can't travel because the doctors won't sign you off. Um, my grandfather might be illegally boarding a flight <laughs> to Australia <laughs> to Ireland at some point. But the doctors won't sign me off, right? And I'm like, right, yes. And he's like, but I, mean, yeah, I, might, I might die on board, but that's fine. I'm ready to go. I was like, that's really grim. I hope the person next to you doesn't find out. <laughs> I just so before we go, I'll bring in Professor Roseanne Kenny from Trinity College of Dublin. Look, as Ben said there, look, it's not, this is not going to be everybody. And as you said, it is an actuarial study and accountants and actuary people look at numbers. But from a planning point of view, are we set up in our health system? Are we set up in our day-to-day so that we can care for people who are living older and for the ailments that they will suffer? So, so just park, if I could just take a step back, park something. The, the points that were made by Brianna and Ben are excellent. The most important thing is we have choice as we get older, how we transition into retirement and whether or not we want it. That's number one that I would really like to see. I, I think, I know the research is that compulsory retirement is very bad for people. So that's the first thing. And also, we may well, we do need the contribution that people can make to our society after 40 years of working in an area. They have accumulated an awful lot of skills. So just leave that aside. Secondly, I'd love to end on a note rather than anything negative or critique of the health system because that's going to take ages. But we can do so much for ourselves going forward. 
Um, there are studies starting in people's 20s, 30s and 40s showing that not just what we talked about earlier, diet and exercise and that, but having social engagement, having a good friend um, psych, a circle, um, having a good laugh, things like um, cold water swimming, just minding your diet, not doing things to, to excess and making sure that for at least a half an hour a day you have a period, whatever it is, that you de-stress. If it's meeting friends or just hiding your phone away or just doing yoga or meditation, but every day it's your ritual to de-stress. We can actually, we're responsible for 80% of our, of our aging process. Genes are only 20%, so we can control a whole lot. Professor Roseanne Kennedy from, Kenny from TCD, thank you very much for joining us. Brianna Parkins from the Irish Times and our own Ben Finnegan, thank you very much for that. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.